Hello, race fans. Welcome to our third edition of the Industry Insider here on the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden, and looking forward to uh, a quick chat here with uh, one of the guys that I really respect in the paddock, uh, Sean Bailiff from Trinity Carding Group. Sean, uh, the owner of Team TKG, the Trinity Carding Group, one of the top uh, national teams, uh, also a regional program. And uh, you look back at kind of the history of Sean and what he's done throughout the sport in terms of spending his time in carding and being uh, one of the professional carters, uh, if you will, multi-time carding champion in the WK Manufacturers Cup. Anyone who's been around the sport a long time remembers the Elkhart Grand Prix, that amazing street race. Well, that was an event that Sean won on numerous occasions. Uh, Here's a guy that worked his way uh, didn't have the budget to be able to try to go racing, but did that. Was a sprint car racer, did sports cars as well, was a factory test driver for Bridgestone. Uh, came extremely close to running in the Indianapolis 500 on, on a couple of occasions, having put together programs. But just the racing experience he has right now, paired with the experience he had as his his life kind of developed in motorsports, working in the marketing and hospitality side of it as well, what he's brought to the sport of karting is this diverse understanding of racing a, as a whole in terms of running a team on all different aspects. And uh, now a couple of sons racing as well, Gavin and, and Finnegan. Thrilled to have him here. Again, Trinity uh, Karting Group, one of the teams that we see regularly on the national circuit, also running in some of the regional programs and the club series as well. Uh, and last but not least, a club pro at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati. A guy with a lot of experience and I think a lot of input that he can help bring to the sport in terms of uh, – just really supporting carters, supporting people that want to go racing and supporting the sport altogether. Sean, thank you so much for joining us here on the Industry Insider. How's that for an introduction? Oh, that was fantastic. Thanks for thanks for having me back on the show. It's always great being with you. Well, you know, the funny thing is you, when we look back and you and I continue to talk about the stuff you've done, I'm impressed just with what you do now, the development that you've done over the last couple of years with Trinity Carding Group to take it from essentially the group of guys that you had, the members at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati, pair them with your kids who were kind of working their way up the ranks and learning uh, in the junior ranks. You now have this series, this program, a bunch of drivers have come to race with you. Well, you're now to the national level. You made that foray to the national level and said, hey, you know what, we're going to try this deal. Um I think that's just super impressive. When you come to a track, I can see the experience you've had in marketing and hospitality and professional motorsports because that's what you display when you're on the Scusa Pro Tour or wherever you are. You you really bring TKG to the, that high level where you're where you're presenting a fantastic racing team. Well, thank you, Rob. You know that that type of thing that I learned early that if you don't have money, you need to at least look like you do uh, <laughs> right. to, to attract it. And that stuff's you know fairly inexpensive to do, and it, it it brings a level of professionalism to the sport. I tell you what, karting is probably the hardest thing on earth to to do and do properly. When I got back into it a few years ago, I think I'm going on six years ago since we got back into it. Man, it's hard. Uh, especially if you've been in cars for a little while, because everything is backwards um, from setups to just, uh, you know, it's just a, a tough thing on on going fast in them is that way. So we always wanted to look good and um, we always prided ourselves back, you know, when I was driving for Margay and, and such, we we always tried to make our equipment look good. Dad instilled that in me and, uh, you know, we try and carry it on to what we're doing today. 
I will, you know, I'll add to that because that the first time I saw you guys, some pictures came across my email, and as they always do, you know, people are sending in stuff, or I'm scrolling on Facebook watching uh, racers, you know, the guys that are on my feed, and I saw a couple of these carts with these graphics, and I'm like, with Trinity on them, and I'm like, damn, whoever designs this stuff is good. It's clean, it pops, and that was kind of my first introduction to you guys was the fact that I was just loving the entire layout of the, the bodywork, the, the graphic kits, the suits, the helmets, just the presentation that you bring to the table, I think, is upper level. And I would say personally, probably the very, very top of the sport. That's just my opinion. Like the look that you bring, I think is fantastic. Now, I've set the stage a bit for you. Let me open the floor. You know, tell our listeners here on the ECAN Radio Network a, a little bit about Trinity Karting Group, how it launched. Obviously, you were the club. You are the club pro at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati. How did that morph into Team TKG? Well, I guess um, originally Team K- TKG kind of spun out of our sports car program. I was sitting in my office in Lyme, Ohio, at the sports car shop up there, um, and a couple guys walked in and said, "Hey, I heard you knew how to run uh, go karts." So it really started before the Motorsports Country Club. It, it, um, I said, "Yeah, I do. We can uh, we can get you a couple carts, but if you do it, you got to get me one too." So that's kind of how it started. Because <laughs> I said the best way to to train you is to um, you know drive behind you and push you, and I can see it from you know the catbird seat. I guess is the way to say it. Um, so yeah, we started that, and I said, you know, I don't want you guys to go racing until you're ready. Um, so Steve Boyer was my my one driver. Um, he said sadly passed away, but. Um, I, we would go in on Fridays to G&J Cartway up in Camden and set up our stuff and test all day and have fun. And then uh, we would leave on Saturday morning while all the other race teams are arriving for the race weekends. And they're like, where are you guys going? Why don't you race? And I was basically said, you know, you guys, these guys aren't ready yet. So we did that for a whole year and just had a ton of fun. Well, when uh, he was ready to go racing, we showed up and uh, he set fast time. But they had a rule that you had to start in the back. Uh, yep. So he, he was fast qualifier, and we did it right, and then he ended up having this to to uh, start in the back, but his racecraft wasn't quite there yet, so he kind of sat back there. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a ton of fun, and then we you know we spent a couple of years at G and J Cartway, and then this opportunity to run Motorsports Country Club was a a blessing, and it led us to another level of what we wanted to do with the the karting. So. Um, I love karting. I'm glad to be back. In a lot of ways, I wish I'd never left because um, if I had to say anything to any of these drivers moving up right now, don't leave karting. Just stay in it. Uh, go do what you, you do, trying to make your, you know, your success up the ladder, but stay in karting because when you leave it, it'll run by you and you try and come back into it and the technology changes. I got back in, you know, we used to run solid axles, inch and a quarter stuff. And you, <laughs> yeah. come, you come back and there's these 50 millimeter axles and there's six or seven of them. And it's like, what are these things for? Uh, so, yeah, de- definitely uh, moved into what we wanted to do. I got back in the cart and just loved it. Absolutely. It's a very hard thing to do fast. Um, and they're so quick. You know, everything's happening at, at Mach 1. Uh, and you really got to teach yourself to slow your hands down. Uh, it's funny, David Osborne um, did some 1600 stuff. He, he's on our team Pelfrey ladder. Um, actually, went to another team this year. But I think it's funny, him and Sam Paley are both members here. But they come back and get in their carts, and they're turning in about 20 feet too early in anticipation of, you know, their 
there's formula cars. So, but yeah, we got a great, great program that we're, we're slowly building. Um, you know, our results don't necessarily show it at the national level yet, but they eventually will. Um, we are a driver development program. People think that we should be immediately up front just by the way we look. Um, you know, that's a tough thing when you're dealing with Jake Craig and, um, you know, Ryan Norberg and those guys, these guys yeah. have been doing it for a long time and it's just, uh, just tough, but we're doing it right. We think, you know, Sean, the funny thing is you, you say that because you, you are a driver development program. And I think the ECAN listeners are going to get a more, a better feel of this as we talk about before we go to our first commercial break. And, and that's the fact that you, you did jump into the, the deep end to, to run X30 senior, even X30 junior, but you look at the amount of guys on the Scusa pro tour. Uh, who are in the top 10, top 20 of our ECAN driver rankings. And it's just, it's a who's who all the way down, you know, the top 15 in qualifying. So for your guys to kind of get in there, it really is baptism by fire. But when we talk about you as a full development program, I think that's what really is key. You come to the Scusa Pro Tour, that's the national view. That's what, you know, people can see from coast to coast on our coverage on EKN, whether it's through our social media or our race reporting. And they see this, you know, Trinity Karting Group, great look. Drivers are doing well. They're not winning races right now. But if you look deeper, you know, the bottom part of that iceberg, the program you have, you may have four, five, six guys at the Pro Tour. But when you're rolling into the, you know, the KRA kind of club series at Newcastle Motorsports Park, which is a very competitive series, you have 20 guys under the tent. It's essentially one of those iceberg situations, is it not, where you have this big tent of guys who are on that club slash regional level that you really take under your wing, that's where you do a lot of your coaching, your development. It is for sure. Well, it all starts here at Motorsports Country Club. If we get a new person into karting, um, same philosophy when I got back into this business, I don't want them hitting the track until they're ready. Um, you know, we do, it's, it's kind of funny. We have our smallest unit um, at the national stuff where most of the, the teams are bringing in their tractor trailers right. into the, the national races. Well, our tractor trailer goes to the regional races and our, our smaller unit goes to, to the, you know, Scusa races and, and the like. But, um, you know, I think we might be going to Phoenix in a pro master van. So, uh, we just try and do it the right way. Definitely. Uh, we've got some great drivers coming up, um, that are going to be probably making their, their scene into the national races next year, but we're still working at them. We kind of focus more on the masters originally, um, nothing wrong with dads, but I, I felt like I didn't want to get yelled at too much by a dad, but we've got a great group of dads that understand what's going on. Uh, and I have a code of conduct actually that I make the, the drivers and their parents sign that it's not going to be this yelling and screaming that you see sometimes at races. And, um, so we're looking forward to the, the bunch that we have. Unfortunately, our first two races have got frozen out at, at KRA. Uh, Yesterday we had snow on the ground, so it's uh, it's hard to get this season underway. Although we don't feel like we took a break with what we did um, since November on. So, Sean, you had this this great, great group and a big group of guys that run you know, the club program at KRA, but you guys are going to be doing some different stuff this year. Let's, let me give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about what you guys are running because it's not just a Scusa Pro Tour and it's not just KRA. You've got other programs that you're fitting into the, the overall schedule for Trinity this year. Yeah, we um, our our full intention is to run the full pro tour for sure. Um, 
Tom does a fantastic job of putting on an event, and that's just the level of professionalism that we like. Uh, we're also, uh, we went to Daytona, of course, for the, the cart week, and then we intended to run um, the USPKS, the full schedule there, but we had a conflict with KRA, and when you got 20 customers and, and drivers at, at the regional level, you got to pay attention to them before you think about going and doing the national stuff, or you end up not having a business at the end. Uh, so we are going to run the remainder of the USPKS races. We're going to do a select few um, WK events. Uh, I think we're going to do the Newcastle one and then the Grand Nationals at the end of the season. Um, then uh, I think USPKS does the GoPro and Newcastle. So we got three races, three big national races at our home track. So hopefully that'll um, jump us up onto the spotlight of getting up front because it's definitely an advantage to, to have the home track. Uh, one thing, though, that causes us issues at, at KRA is they run a Bridgestone YLC tire in the tag, so we don't get a lot of test time on the, the MG and, and Vinco brands. Uh, so that gives us a little bit of a deficit, so we're not quite uh, have that unfair advantage that Penske always likes to have. But uh, <laughs> I, I did mention that uh, off the top that, that you, you did get very close to getting a chance to run in the Indy 500 on a couple of occasions. You will be taking the team to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this year. You had told me that uh, you guys were looking at going to the Battle of the Brickyard. Yeah, we are. We wanted to do it last year, but we had a, another conflict with KRA um, that uh, Mike Burrell is doing a great job putting that event together. Um, and, you know, you get a lot of interest when people, when it's your dream to run the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, and it's great that, you know, drivers get to do it in a go-kart. It's fantastic. I mean, it when I came up the ladder, there the only time the Indianapolis Speedway was used was for, you know, the Indy 500. And I think the second largest uh, spectator event was qualifying. It was a, a crazy time then. But it's changed a little bit for Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And, you know, with the IMSA races and all the Mazda Road to Indy races and, and that. So it's opened up and uh, I heard it was a fantastic event. Um, we're going to be there for sure with um, probably, you know, our, our tag junior drivers, our X30 driver, senior drivers, and then some of our masters. I might even dust off a shifter myself and, and uh, get in it. That's what I was waiting I'm for. Starting to get the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to get the itch again. I, I watched that NOLA race, at, uh, the masters guys in the NOLA race, and uh, it just – just gets me uh, wanting to get back out there and drive again a little bit. Although I do drive a ton here at Motorsports Country Club. It's just, it's a little different competing. And um, some of our development drivers, they don't have that, uh, you know, the, the race craft yet. And getting out and running with them, you can show some of that. Now, my biggest thing is putting my ego aside and not having to win the race when I go out as far as driver developing. And uh, I, the, that's the thing that I'm always reluctant to do because I don't want to make it about myself. Sometimes I can get a little serious about it and I want to make sure the company's in the right place before I, you know, take the, uh, the, the stab at running against some of these guys in the, in the pro level. You know, the, uh, the funny thing is that we, we, I didn't do this off the top and I probably should have because we talk about the motorsports country club of Cincinnati and most people, when they, they hear about a motorsports country club, they're thinking a big car track. You know, there's a lot of big car country club tracks that have a smaller karting track as well. The Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati is a karting country club. There's no big track there. It's just karting, correct? Yeah, that's correct. There is no uh, no automobiles. The track's a nine-turn, seven-tenths-of-a-mile track. It's got a unique um, 
27 degree bank at the end of it, which is a little rough on things, but uh, yeah, it is. It's a private club. We're, we're members only. We do quite a few corporate events for team building, um, you know, during the weeks, uh, but we reserve the track only for our, our club members on the weekends, and it is only go-karts, and it's an awesome thing. We it. roll up our garage door and, and get out and run on it, and it's just a, a ton, of, ton of fun. It's kind of it's, – it's a neat thing because we have some guys that don't want to race, but they kind of race vicariously on the weekend through our guys that do race, so it's really helped the membership here. Um, I think we just celebrated our 10th anniversary um, last year, and – uh, I think we're going on five years of managing the facility. I think we took over in October of 13, and it's it's growing from there. We're sitting right around 100 members. Um, we store about 170 go-karts on site. Uh, so it's a undertaking keeping those in track and then plus running the, the team. But we have a great owner membership here. I think we have 23 owner members that are very supportive of both the racing and what we're doing here at the club. I love it. I think it's such a, a unique uh, motorsports opportunity. I love it. I think it's super cool. All right, folks, stick with us. Uh, we're going to go to our first break here on episode number three of the Industry Insider on the EKN Radio Network. On the other side of this break, we'll come back and talk to Sean Bailiff. Since 2003, K1 Race Gear has been a one-stop shop for all your indoor and outdoor karting needs. From racing shoes, suits, and driving gloves to chest protectors, rib vests, accessories, and bags... K1 Race Gear provides quality karting products for the enthusiast and the professional alike. We have an incredible lineup of K1 karting suits designed to fit everyone's budget. Check out our entry-level GK2, the new Apex 2, and our top-of-the-line Speed 1 suit. Then, choose from our Apex and RS1 karting gloves and add in our K1 shoes, rib protectors, and neck collars. If you need a custom suit to support your sponsors, we can create a custom look as unique as you are. As you would expect, our custom suits are made to order. With pricing as low as $495, you're sure to find a suit that not only satisfies your racing needs, but is easy on the wallet as well. We take care of all of our customers at K1 Race Gear, not just the ones with deep pockets. Visit k1racegear.com today and get everything you need for your next racing season. In a sport where the difference between winning and losing is measured in hundreds of a second, you can't afford to leave anything on the table. You invest in the best equipment, the lightest components, and top-of-the-line data acquisition systems. Anything to find one more tenth, right? I'll tell you right now, the best investment you could ever make is in yourself. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the new state-of-the-art speed sports racing park just north of Houston, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy uses the very best equipment, Burrell Art Carts. They offer half-day, one-day, two-day, and three-day clinics. They have a one-on-one student-to-instructor ratio, and they will design a customized curriculum for each student. Alan Rudolph is one of the most respected people in the sport, and he has nearly 20 years' experience training drivers, including Chase Elliott, Neil Alberico, Austin Versteeg, and Saber Cook, and rising stars like Pietro Fittipaldi. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Start off your season with a driver tune-up. Tune up your season with some driver coaching. 
or get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. That's 866-607-7223. For more information, visit speedsportsracingpark.com slash racing hyphen academy. Welcome back to episode number three of the Industry Insider here on the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden, uh, joined today by Sean Bailiff from the Trinity Karting Group. Sean, we were able to kind of detail what you have going in terms of the, of the team, how the program is developed. And I like the iceberg uh, example because that's really what it is. You have that you know small team that you take to the SCUSA Pro Tour. That's what people see nationally. But it's that huge iceberg underneath you have with the 20-plus guys that you take to the KRA, the, the, the whole crew of everybody you have with the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati as well. One thing I want to talk about in this particular segment is to touch base on the Super Nationals last year. I know you had attended a couple times to have a look at it, uh, but last year was the first time you actually brought the full Trinity Karting Group team out there. Uh, give me your initial thoughts on what it was like being at the Super Nats for the first time in that role, the team owner role, the coach, the tuner, you know, the whole, you're all in. You're not just there to watch. You've rolled out the dog and pony show. We did. Um, it, you know, it was, I've been to, you know, some of the biggest races in the world, especially Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, I joked it during the 500 once. I said, this is, uh, just has a really big go-kart atmosphere to it. But then I go to, I go to the Super Nats and it's serious. Uh, it is something that everyone in karting, regardless, just put out of your mind of how you're going to do out there. Go and do it. Um, if you run in the back, who cares? It's such an awesome event, atmosphere, everything. Of course, you know, the competitive side of me wanted to go out and win it. Um, I, you know, reality is also, uh, you know, we knew that we weren't going to do that. Uh, Paul Micey, our X30 master driver, he he participated in it as well as my son Finnegan uh, and my son Gavin. Um, they ran X30 match, so we had the X30 classes covered. So senior and um, junior. So it was good. First practice session, they were my drivers were just as nervous as they could be. Although they would <laughs> they wouldn't let me know that to any extent in the world, but um, did well. Uh, didn't make the show, uh, learned a ton uh, with all the manufacturers out there. Tony Cart, um, we're back running Tony Cart's exclusively on our race team. So uh, Tony Cart had quite a, Luis Rubial, he, he brought in some engineers and got to talk with them. So learned a lot about that. It's also a bit of a, you know, a trade show in a sense where you, you get to meet the manufacturers and discuss it with them and uh, share some data and learn a little bit. But the, the track was amazing. It was huge, if you, as you know. Um, yeah. Being right there on the strip was really exciting. It, it Still, I agree with why they're going back to the Rio. But, you know, we did good. Finn, uh, Gavin had a, a, a really good race starting out, and then he got hung up in some other stuff. So if you, if you have a bad race, it, it really makes it tough for the rest of the weekend. But uh, didn't make the show in X30. Really close to it, though. Um, Finn had a really good drive. I think he picked up some 40 spots and was up to 10th. They would have made the show had that went and the guy looked at it over at him and stuffed him into the wall and yeah. it was kind of frustrating. Uh, but he ended up going from not making this, um, 
you know, being in the race at that point to not even making the, the LCQ because of that finish. So it's tough. I think there was 98 um, X30 seniors in that race. Something. Yeah. Don't quote me That's on it, that. right? It's, it's so yeah. tough. There's just so many great drivers. We, we talk about how many great drivers there are at the Pro Tour race. And then you throw in all the Europeans that come into race as well. And it's just unbelievable. If you can make the main and make Super Sunday, that is just ridiculously cool in terms of, of, a, of if, especially if you're a regional driver, just kind of getting into the national program. If you can find your way into the Super Sunday main event, you've done something. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what kind of got the uh, juices flowing to race. Uh, just because it, it reminded me a lot of the atmosphere of the, the old Elkhart Grand Prix that you mentioned in the intro. Um, but bigger. Um, the stakes are a lot higher and you just know the best of the world are in there. And maybe you can answer that. Are the best of the world at that race? I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it sure seems like it is when you got Travis Anuto and, uh, Conti and those guys running. It's, uh, it, it, it makes us want to be the best in karting and, and raise our level to that, um, that we can go compete and win. That's uh, a dream of mine is to, to go win the Supernet as a team. Owner. Yeah. I- I think the event definitely draws a number of the top drivers. We're, of course, not getting all the top drivers coming over to run the event, but you just look at the the guys that we do get. Travis Nuto being a perfect example, Callum Bradshaw, with just the amount of great drivers that we're able to bring over, and, of course, in the KZ category as well. Yes. Let me ask you one thing before we jump to the next break to cap off this segment on the Super Nats. You went there for the first time. And, and to be honest, Sean, you really have – you've jumped yourself into the deep end of the pool. You know, you went from a regional program up to a national program, and then you're on the Super Nats as well. You learned on the Pro Tour. How or what What can you look back on and say, I really learned at the Super Nats this year as a team owner? Um, I guess it would be probably management of, of just how you take care of your tires, um, taking the very best equipment you have out there. Um, I went with philosophy. I went with older frames. Uh, you can't do that. You got to have the best of everything out there um, with the knowledge that, you know, if, if something happens, you might write off a new frame. But I went with your old chassis, knowing my drivers are a little bit new uh, and then they might, you know, connect with the barriers there. Um, we had a pretty clean race. We didn't tear up anything. So uh, you definitely need to do that. You got to have your engine program at the very best it can be. Uh, and just, you know, the, the driver's, have to be ready for it. Um, they can't be thinking yeah. about the walls. If the wall happens, uh, you know, that, that happens. We can rebuild it, but you just got to go. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit on a lot of the racecraft stuff, but you just got to be, you got to be moving. You can't hesitate. You got to be moving to the front. And just probably my coaching style be a little bit different next year. Um, you definitely go into it. You, you, to to be the best, old Rick Flair, you say, you know, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And going out there the first time, the drivers learned a lot. Um, if you go out there, I think we'll have a lot better showing, moving it over to the Rio and just knowing that, you know, you're encompassed in these walls and it's no big deal. I, I think by the time Sunday rolled around, our drivers were starting to really feel comfortable. Paul Micey came yeah. from 20. I think he made, he was a hard charger in the LCQ and got 21 spots. Yep. So he, um, you know, we'll go back there and have a, you know, I'll have it. You don't have the butterflies of it. You know how the system flows, the day flows, how to maintain yourself as far as keeping yourself fresh. It's a long day for the crew. Um, so just getting it under your belt is, uh, you know, 
it's kind of reminded me of my first 24 hour. Um, you know, you got to know how to, to take care of yourself throughout the whole week. Cause it's a long week. I, I think that's very true. And that's one you hadn't brought up yet. It's not just a one day race. It's not even a three day national race. It's a five day grueling marathon of making sure that you're in the right spot. Yeah, I think it started for us on Friday because I drive the rig and everything out. So it started Friday before. So driving out two and a half, three days, we didn't kill ourselves getting out there. But, you know, we got in Sunday and they had a marathon um, block and everything. So, it, you know, it took extra 45 minutes. You, you drive clear around the whole town to get in there because they had everything blocked off there. So, you know, it really started on Sunday for us getting set up. And it's, it's a long week. Well, listen, we're going to go to another commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Sean Bailiff about his opportunities of getting potentially back behind the wheel. If clean racing, fair competition, and tons of fun is what you're looking for in a racing program, then look no further than the United States Pro Kart Series. MG Tires, IAMI USA East, and Nitro Kart have all teamed up to present the sixth edition of the USPKS, and it just keeps on getting better. USPKS has forged a path in the U.S. by being the first major series to incorporate the pushback bumper system, setting a new standard in karting safety and competition. Our top-rated tech team has partnered with MG, IAMI, and VP Fuels to ensure our competitors are competing on a fair platform. With a renewed focus on value, the 2018 version of the USPKS will take its racers to top karting venues like Ocala Grand Prix, GoPro Motorplex, and Newcastle Motorsports Park. Maximizing track time and fun is what the US Pro Kart Series is all about. If you'd like to join the party, check out our website at USPKS.com or look us up on Facebook at USPKS. From the high banks of Daytona to the triple jumps in Anaheim, racers and engine builders alike have one goal in common, a trip to victory lane. That's why the pros use Klotz Synthetic Lubricants. For over 53 years, Klotz has dedicated itself to mastering the science of synthetic lubrication and why racers around the world rely on Klotz. Order by calling 800-242-0489 or online at klotzlube.com. Klotz Synthetic Lubricants, less drag, more power. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network in episode number three of the Industry Insider. My guest today, Sean Bailiff from the Trinity Carding Group. Sean, uh, you've teased it a couple times through the podcast so far, and we talked about this a little while back. You're, you're really itching to get back behind the wheel, and it doesn't surprise me. You do all that coaching. You're at the, the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati on a daily basis. you got your kids racing. you got guys running an X30 Master, and you're a former top carter in your in your younger days you want to get back do you not i do um (laughs) if my ribs can take it uh although i did just find my rib vest from what i used to wear i really struggle with the the rib vest stuff i hate them um you know i didn't use them back when i was racing i I broke my ribs at a a man cup race in avon new york and after that i had i was in qualifying i heard it snap and it's like oh man that was bad Ended up setting second time, but um, mom and dad were there, and they got me uh, taped up. And Charlie Grodeke at Margate at the time, he he took duct tape and wrapped me up, and we were good. But I found those old rib um, vests. Surprisingly, they still fit. Uh, 
and I, I got back out last Saturday with those vests and then I felt at home. So I didn't have that up under my armpit and stuff. So yeah, I'm getting, getting the itch to run. Um, and mainly cause I'm getting requests from my master's guys to, to share data with it. You know, they try and share the data with the senior guys, but just the weight difference and the tire difference, it's, it's hard to give them a really good, uh, uh, database. So we'll probably play around with some KRA stuff. Um, and getting ready for, I don't know that I'll do Phoenix. Um, talking like we might do Phoenix, we've got some exciting stuff happening on the sponsor front uh, for our Pro Tour um, events. But um, so we'll, I'll probably debut carding wise. I might do it the summer national, uh, summer nationals. Uh, I'm only going to do it if I'm fast though. So if I'm not doing it, you'll probably know that Sean needed to hang up the gloves and the helmet as far as the racing side. Uh, but yeah, so we're we're gonna probably do some carding stuff. Um, got another little deal coming up here, and uh, I think it's a couple of weeks. Uh, one of our our members that raced the MX5 Global Cup, he had a shoulder injury and can't do it. He was committed the whole season. He, it happened at the Circuit America race uh, two weekends ago. So, um, but I guess uh, when this is on, it'll probably be that this coming weekend. Uh, if I'm right, but I'll be driving. Yeah, yeah so. I'll be driving the MX-5 Global Cup uh, race in one of the Miatas, uh, just subbing for him. So he asked me yesterday to come in and do that for him. Brought a driver suit over and um, said, "Here's our sponsors. It's uh, Morrow Motorsports is is the team, and uh, I think they have Ceramic Pro is uh, the sponsor. So he wanted to represent the the sponsor well and and get the car up front. I don't. I didn't. I haven't raced Barber since 2003, so it'll be, um, I think I ran a Daytona prototype and a P2 car there in 2003. So we'll be uh, getting the fire suit out and trying to do that for for John and have some fun doing that. I like it. It's going to be 15 years down the road for you. Luckily, I'll be there. It's an IndyCar weekend at Barber Motorsports Park. I think it's April 20, 21, 22. Now, we're going to get this podcast out, I think, next week. You and I are recording this right now on April the 10th. It's probably going to go out early next week. So it'll be a week and a half uh, before you head out to Barber. But that'll be fun to watch. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you get on track. Now, we talk about you getting behind the wheel. And this is kind of one of the things I want to to mention because I really want to give you the opportunity to kind of discuss – your coaching style. You had mentioned early in the podcast that a lot of your guys at the club like to have you on the racetrack with them. You know, data acquisition is one thing. Uh, you can go over their their cameras as well and their own data acquisition. But if you're right behind them, following them there with the Smarty Cam on them, I just have to believe that there's just so much more that you can bring to the table. Yeah, there really is because the, the tendency for most drivers is to overdrive and, and they don't believe you when, when you say that. And, you know, you push them at a young age to get into the corner, get in the corner, and then they kind of pass that point of turn in where they're getting it in and they're sliding past their apex and putting the throttle on three quarters of the way the cor- you know, through the corner. Um, a go-kart, you got to get into the corner, use the brake, rotate the cart and start throttling almost before the apex to be fast at it. Sliding in a go-kart is awful. Uh, it's fun. It feels like you're flying as fast as you can, but uh, you, you just can't do it. The hardest thing to do is to make a, a driver understand that um, you got to slow down to go fast, and, and it's just really tough. Most of the time they say, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So uh, the data 
shows it, but it's not in, you know, you're looking at lines on a computer screen that, uh, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. So we try and put it, we try and put a, a camera on my cart, um, and then I'll go out and follow them. You know, the old man here, if, uh, if they get good enough, they should be running away from me. Uh, but if I can beat up on them and I can show them in the corner where, you know, they stretch me on entry, but then I just murder them on exit. And then that kind of sets, you know, sets in their mind that, oh, yeah, that's that's what you're talking about instead of, you know, looking at it on the, the screen of the data. Because, um, you know, if you can drive under a guy off the corner and make it effortlessly, you can see how they've slid through the corner and, uh, and you know, just real late back to the throttle. If you're late back to the throttle, you're straight away shorter, so your top speed's shorter and your lap times um, get bigger. So you don't want to, you know, it, it really helps from that style. Plus, I'm able to show them how to do this stuff without, you know, the bump and run passing that you're seeing so much. And, the, you know, the we've talked about it quite a bit on the racecraft side. You can, you can pass without, you know, bouncing off the side of someone or shoving them off the end of the straightaway. And, and we try and coach that a lot because it doesn't, it doesn't pay when you move up. We, we probably suffer a little bit on the results right at the moment at, at the national level by not driving that way, but uh, we're trying to teach it right. Uh, David Osborne, when he moved in the 1600 uh, program with uh, Pelfrey, I got a phone call saying, man, you guys teach these kids right. So it was, a, it was a, you know, a nice compliment hearing from these guys at, at the, the next levels that, you know, whatever you're doing, you're doing it right from the personality side to the driving and the cleanness. Uh, so that that's what we're trying to coach. Perfect segue into our next commercial break. Cause we come back, uh, we're going to talk again, guys with Sean Bailiff and we're going to hit that exact topic. He and I have discussed it many, many times, but when we get back. We're going to talk about racecraft. Kemetic Gasket is a leading worldwide supplier of gaskets and engine sealing solutions for karting, automotive performance, power sports, original equipment, and the remanufactured engine industries. Kemetic karting gaskets are available as OE replacement top-end kits or as individual gaskets and seals. Just like competitive carters, Kemetic can operate on the fly and has the unique capability to customize any gasket to meet specific engine requirements and clearances. All of Kemetic's fiber materials are asbestos-free and do not require any additional sealants. Viton oil ring cylinder head seals are used in each two-cycle kit, and Kemetic's four-cycle engine kits feature only the most advanced multi-layer steel head gaskets. Kemetic can tailor to engine builder specific needs through bulk ordering and packaging flexibility. Kemetic gaskets are must-haves for championship winning teams across multiple disciplines of both professional and amateur motorsports. Kemetic gasket, sealing championships since 1989. After taking on the highly anticipated Florida Winter Tour, remaining promoted events by Rock Cup USA include the Rock Festivals and Rock the Rail event. In May, join us at the NOLA Rock Festival at NOLA Motorsports Park in Avondale, Louisiana. It's set for May 17th through 20th. The NOLA Festival will see the Rockers take to one of the best facilities in the country and undoubtedly a race favorite. The second Rock Festival will be at Oakland Valley Raceway Park in Cuddybackville, New York, 
and will take place July 19th through the 22nd. Full podiums at both events will receive Rock the Rio entry, while race winners at the OVRP Festival will also receive coveted Rock International Finals tickets, provided they participated in both festivals. The crown jewel of the 2018 schedule will see the Rockers from around the world descend on the fabulous city of Las Vegas at the Rio All Suite Casino and Hotel. The first annual Rock the Rio event will award upwards of $35,000 in cash over the seven rock classes. For more information on all Rock Cup USA promoted events, please visit www.rockcupusa.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number three of the Industry Insider here on the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden, being joined Today by Sean Bailiff from the Trinity Carding Group. And Sean, you've been an educator, uh, a coach for a number of years. Of course, you worked your way uh, up the ranks through karting into cars, did a lot of sports car racing, as you mentioned, the Daytona 24. Uh, you've run Daytona prototypes, sprint cars. You have that vast level of knowledge that sets you up nicely to be, to be a driver coach because you have such different experience. You and I have talked a lot over the last probably year about racecraft. The issue that we're seeing in the sport right now isn't new. It's been happening for the last couple of years, and you and I have discussed it many times. We have our thoughts on on racecraft. And you, you brought it up before the break, a good point about the way you teach your drivers and your students and your clients and the fact that you don't have to make that bonsai, big contact, wreck fest pass. And that's really not what racecraft's all about. I, I know – we on ecardinews.com we just last week published our actually today <laughs> but by the time this thing gets aired it will have been last week we published our second the art of racecraft article tj coin did the first one jamie Siraki did the second one and we have you lined up to do one for us uh, in coming weeks as well right now though let's discuss a little bit what are your thoughts what are your thoughts? Let's start with the issue of racecraft. What are your thoughts and what are you seeing on the racetrack now in terms of the problems that we're having? I think it all starts, you know, I've heard some of my, my drivers that have come over from other teams and, you know, they're bragging about how they, um, how they were coached before on, you know, if I'm not going to do this, I'm going to wreck the guy out. And I'm like, whoa, put on the brakes, not under my tent, because if you do that, I'm, I don't want you. I don't want that kind of uh, driving craft under our program. It just, it, for one, it's it's bad racing. Um, you know, th- there's nothing more beautiful than a, a setup pass that is, you know, executed properly. Uh, sure, kids are going to, especially at the regional and the new levels. I, I never understand at the local level why you know people are getting so upset when there is a side-by-side contact or, you know, some sort of wreck. That's learning. understand that. But once we get to that national level, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, you know, I witnessed it quite a bit at, at this, uh, I guess it had been the summer nats last year. We really started getting my mind going that, you know, these, this is getting pretty rough. It reminded me, uh, we used to race in Marion uh, County. Uh, it was basically a basketball court back a long time ago, yep. Marion, they're talking about bringing it back. Well, that was bump and run. You had a wall on the inside, and it was an eight-second lap, and there was 30-some carts. So you, you had to do a little bit of that, but it was the short track mentality, kind of like Martinsville or whatever. That's the only way you could pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was accepted and understood. But on a big road course, 
set up right, there shouldn't be a, a you know a bump and run on the end of that straightaway like the, the, that I witnessed. I have witnessed it at, at the Supernats as well. Um, I understand the pressure of that event trying to do it, but it's just you can't. Well, when I raced uh, Man Cup, Ron Withdraw, I'm always amazed. Uh, I don't know if you knew Ron or not, but he was always a race director and yep. that. Uh, he was a fairly big guy, but man, he ran around the corner with that black flag in his hand. And if you barely touched anyone, you were getting warned about it for sure. And then if you did it again, you're getting a black flag waved at you. Um, you know, Joey Lenati and I used to have some big old battles um, in a couple times that, you know, either him got me or I got him back. But you, you just can't race that way, especially if you have any aspirations of moving up the ladder. Um, I don't think. I think these kids are doing it so fast. The kid cart motors, they don't teach you how to use the brakes in those because, you, you know, if you're on the brake in a kid cart, you don't uh, you really use it. Um, the next couple levels, I think they're, they're you know, they're, they're just not coaching it enough. Uh, they're just with the body work that's on them. I love the body work. I don't want to see that go because that makes a go-kart very attractive. Um we didn't run any kind of body work when I raced. Uh, we had a driver fairing and, and, you know, number panel. So if you touch wheels in, you were on your lid pretty quick. Um, and so there was a little more respect. I know the nose cones started to come in a little bit, and Ron made them get, get them off because you could lift up the rear of the cart and spin the guy out in front of you. So it's not a new thing. It just seems really excessive that it's happening now. Um, I don't coach it. I've seen my boys have altercations, so they're not – a hundred percent, um, you know, innocent in this, but from my view, you know, they're still learning. Uh, but if, if it's not getting coached under the tent, uh, by the teams, it's going to happen. Um, the race officials can only do so much, but we got to start teaching it, um, from the team level. And that's going to be a tough thing to overcome because winning races is, um, you know, tantamount to what we're trying to do here. Um, and if, if they're letting it happen, then the drivers are going to continue to do it. So, you know, I don't think we're going to solve this overnight, but it is a thing that can be taught. And it's a beautiful thing when you see a proper pass done, I, it's, that's when it's good racing. When you see, you know, 30, 40 guys out there racing and they're all finishing and there's a beautiful pass every, you know, every lap by something and they're trading back and forth and, you know, I hate seeing these poor kids that spend all this money and they're sitting on the sidelines or on that uh, ride of shame, as we, we call it, under our t tent on that back of the wagon. Uh, so, you know, solving it, I think my, my little article is going to be a little bit on how to set up a pass and how to do it right. If you go to the next level and you're driving like you are now, dad's going to run out of money really fast. The team's, the, the team's going to get very yep. upset with how much equipment that's going to uh, – that you're going to tear up. The mechanics aren't going to like you very well. And then, you know, honestly, the respect that you get as a driver is not going to be there. Um, you know, it's, it's tough, especially for some of the, the single cart guys that, you know, dad and them, although it's kind of rare right now, um, you know, dad and son showing up the track or, or dad and his daughter showing up the track and coming in and trying to run a national event and, you know, just gets uh, clobbered off the track. But I do witness that it's it, it seems like it's the same cast of characters, though. So 
maybe some due diligence or some uh, case study needs to be to see, you know, who's doing these. And maybe the series needs to, to look at the teams that seem to be more in these altercations than others. So it might be, you know, just their coaching style and how it's being handled. Well, you know, it's interesting because that's one of the things that has been brought up. Now, I mentioned in the very first article I wrote about the culture of racecraft now that I think everybody needs to, to step it up. I think that the parents need to demand that their that their kids uh, race clean. I think that the coaches and the teams need to, like you like you do, demand that, that if you're going to run into my tent, this is the way we, you know, our code of conduct off the racetrack and on the racetrack. And I, wanted, I want the, the drivers to understand that there is respect earned by the beauty of a pass. And that's one thing, it, you know, we'll get yourself and, and potentially Alan Rudolph, who's going to be doing a, a, an article for us as well, to talk about what a perfect pass looks like. And that really is the beauty of, beauty of motorsports, that super clean pass. When you dive into somebody and side-to-side contact, they go off the racetrack and you keep going, that's not a clean pass. It's not beautiful. It's, in fact, flat, ugly. It just It's not pretty at all. Now, you mentioned earlier – I don't mind if there's a contact on the racetrack. That doesn't mean that it's just because the guy who's on who's, or the driver who's making the offensive move. If you make a perfect pass, you do everything right, and the driver that you're passing doesn't let it happen and drives into you, that's their fault. So contact on the racetrack is going to happen absolutely. because there's two people involved. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, right. It's, it's it's not it's not just contact's just not about the guy or driver making the move uh, for the pass. And I think that's just something that we need to bring up. You're not going to get rid of all all um, all contact and all incidents because there's two people involved. It's not just the racecraft. It's there's racecraft of overtaking. And there's also, and we've heard this before. And I think TJ yes. Coyan wrote about it. There's also racecraft in realizing that you've just been passed and don't drive off the racetrack. Don't hold the line. Sometimes if you give the pass up, you're able to tuck back in behind and maybe learn something from the guy that's going by. Yeah. I was just going to mention that was, you know, TJ said that and I was like right on when I read that. Um, and we try and coach that. And that's another hard thing to do because your pride gets involved. And um, we, we preach, you know, fight to live another day there on, on that because it doesn't mean your day's over. You might have got a bad run off the corner. Well, let that guy go by and then just lock back in on him, bulldog him. Just be right there for when he makes that mistake and you can get right back in it. Just because someone passes you doesn't mean your race is over. But it sure is if you hang on the outside and drive in the grass and then, you know, you're sitting there spun backwards. And you see that probably more than anything. Uh, uh, you know, you got to you gotta wait. And, you know, if you're getting past, it's probably because you messed up, you know, starting the corner and give it up to them, drop in behind them. The worst thing that, you know, happens is you still finish in that same position because he's going to get you again. Or if you're hanging on the outside, um, your, your day's done. And, you know, just go back at it and try and work it, getting him back going. But, yeah, exactly. You know, you did mention that there are potentially some repeat offenders. Uh, some of the names that we hear on a regular basis, this guy ticked me out. Or you see the contact and you go, oh, he's involved again or she's involved again, whatever it may be. Personally, and I'll get your comment on if you think this is a good idea, and I, I, don't, I think it's probably going to be a, an answer I expect, I would not be surprised to see coming down the line where uh, organizations like SCUSA or USPKS or WK or Rock or whoever it may be, the Challenge of the Americas, there's going to be a licensing program where you're going to have X amount of points, and if you make a move like that and it's blatant, you're going to start losing points. Because the only way to really 
I, I believe to curtail and penalize a frequent flyer, you know, a, a guy that we're constantly seeing uh, be a repeat offender is to start pulling points off that, off that license. And at one point, if you get to the point where you're, let's say you get 15 points, you're down to five, you've just lost your national, your opportunity to race nationally. You got to go back to the regional level and prove that you can get back to the national level. What are your thoughts on a licensing program? Um, yeah, I love it. Um, I don't know that organizationally we're, we're set up yet. Um, parting's so fractured right now, but yeah, I mean, that, that would be a fantastic cure for it. it. It would help in a lot of ways. It would give a clear path to, to racing nationally. Um, it wouldn't let some of the, the kids that shouldn't be there, you know, moving up the ladder and it would help the, the teams develop their local and regional program. Um, we just got to get the, the mess figured out on, you know, the one series or whatever it is. The Europeans have it, you know, a little better than us because in, in all forms of motor racing, because, you know, they have a little better structure in the series, at least, it, you know, from the outside looking in, they do. Maybe they don't. I'm, you know, you, it, I might be totally wet on all of that, but <laughs> but it, it sure seems like there is. And, you know, you see it moving up. Um, some kids skip the, the carding altogether and go into F4. And I'm wondering, or, you know, the, I don't think the Maserati Indy programs is bad, but the F4 program, it seems like they're giving license to anyone. And, and some of the complaints I hear is, you know, there, there's like two or three green flag laps. So it starts even there, but yeah. I like the idea of some sort of a licensing program. Um, as long as they're, you know, doing it fair and, and how, how do you, manage it. Joe at, at Scusa, he's got a tough road to, to manage and all that for sure. And, and watching, there's just not enough eyes on the track because these fields are so big and it seems like it, you know, they keep a good eye on the top 10. Um, but you know, once you start filtering back through the field, it's hard to watch them all. Um, agreed. Agreed. Now, all right, let's, let's, let's wrap up this, uh, this section of racecraft. I want to go in now to the EKN Fast Five. I got some questions for you, Sean. We're going to lighten things up a little bit. We're going to talk, and I'm going to ask you five questions about your career in racing that I think are kind of cool. Let's let's go back. Are you ready? I think ready? so. EKN Fast Five. Here we go. What was your first cart? And give us some detail. Ha, ha, ha. Dad built me a square tube piece of junk. Uh, ended up... Uh, first time on the track, the front wheel fell off. Uh, the next time out, the steering wheel fell off. I was running tires that he he ran on his old uh, triple home light chainsaw go kart that he won a lot of races in. And we ended up did we did win a race with it, and then finally got a Margate Bandito, and I was like, man, this is nice. So that that was it. A homemade homemade race car at Cridersville Speedway. That's fantastic. All right, question number two of the EKN Fast Five: What is your favorite kart track? Ooh, tough one, tough one, tough one. Yeah. Um, um, I'm, I'm going to say two. I'm going to cop out here. I grew up at G&J Cartway. Um, that's a fantastic track, the old A track. I, I don't think you can become a better driver there. But I'd have to say my fo- most fun uh, track I ever raced was Batavia, New York. That place was yeah. awesome. I love it. The double Monza. The double Monza. Yeah, you came up the hill there. Uh, it, it was uh the elevation change was just incredible. It was fun. Um, Lynn Haddock and I had a big old battle out there in 135 uh, Reed Valve. Um, so it was it was always fun racing against Lynn too. I love it. I love it. All right. Question number three. This could spin into this. What is the biggest win in your car, in your karting career? Um, probably 
that that's I mean Man Cup wins were always really good, but probably winning the ninety and ninety one Elkhart Grand Prix and the pro races were probably my biggest. You know, they felt the biggest because there was thirty, forty thousand people there. Um and the fields were big. So that that would probably have to be it. I like it. I love it. All right. Uh fast five, question number four. Who was your biggest rival? Oh, I have a couple. I love that. I love that I'm getting here. These these are hard, aren't they? Yeah, these are tough. Um, can we locally? Um, and I just hired two. Okay, locally, um, Sandy Williamson and I. He goes by Alex now. In fact, I just hired him as my master's driver coach. So, uh, Sandy Williamson and I had all kinds of battles in, in the OVK races. Um, Joey Lenati and I had the biggest uh, rivalry probably in Unlimited back in the day. But Joey, Joey was, um, he was awesome too. Um, yeah. So Joey Lenati at the national level. All right. One more question in the EKN fast five. Number five, who has been your biggest mentor or influence? Oh, I got to I got to start with my dad for sure. I mean, he, he always talked about his karting and, you know, I, I got my love for, for karting and racing from my family. So I got to say my dad, um, Lynn Haddock was a big influence when I was driving for Margay and just learned a lot about the sport from them, uh, Keith Freeber. So I can't just pin it on one in the sport, but uh, I got to say my dad first. All right, folks, there you go, the Fast Five on EKN. Talking right now with Sean Bailiff from the Trinity Carding Group. Let's wrap this up, Sean. We are done. Any final thoughts on the 2018 season, Team TKG, and just how things are really developing for what is a – probably one of the fastest growing teams in the sport right now. Well, I mean, we're we're excited about what we're doing. We're bringing a more youth into our program that we didn't have before. So uh, we're starting to tackle that mini swift category. Um, We're going after that a little bit harder at the, you know, the Newcastle and sportsmen and that stuff. So we're, we're trying to grow our youth program for sure. Um, Yeah. If, if, if you're listening to this and not in karting yet and you're in the Cincinnati area, come by, we'll put you in a cart and let you see what it's about. Because karting can be ultra confusing if you look into it on, on you know, a Google search or whatever. And, uh, we can kind of help smooth those bumps out. And we're, we're looking forward to the youthful drivers that we have on board and seeing how they develop here in 18 and 19. Sean, I think people are going to be uh, wanting to get in touch with you based on kind of the culture of your team that you've uh, let us know about today. I like the way you're approaching your team. I like the way you're approaching the sport. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? You can give them an email address, phone number, whatever you want to give them right now. Yeah, probably the easiest is, um, you know, our website's uh, teamtkg.com or um, my email's sbailiff at trinitycardinggroup.com. I think you can get that link on our ad there and. uh, our e-carding news ad. So, um, yeah, so just give us a call or um, reach out to us at 513-421-4463. Sean, so much, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was awesome. Love being on your show. And thanks for e-carding news. You guys do a fantastic job of, of growing the sport and, you know, a sport that we love and want to be into it for a long time. So it's great to have you guys promoting it like you do. It's our pleasure. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Bailiff from Trinity Carding Group, episode number three of the Industry Insider here on the EKN Radio Network. <music>